Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash I am divine 2022. Serving spiritual seekers around the world. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, living the eternal way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join the discussion, email us at yogahour at unity.fm. Now, here's your host, Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, our time to open our hearts and our minds to the infinite. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien, and I'll be sharing with you today some insights and practices from the spiritual tradition of yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization. Yoga is a very familiar Sanskrit word today, meaning oneness, union, or Unity, But not everyone who hears the word yoga thinks about this deepest meaning, which refers to bringing our attention and our awareness to consciously rest in our essential spiritual nature or to be restored to our original wholeness. Yoga is this abiding in the conscious awareness of our true self. It is self-realization, knowing our true spiritual nature, and then living in harmony with it. And today's topic is one so relevant for today, and this necessity to live in harmony with the truth of our being. Today we're going to be exploring deep green, spiritually inspired activism and caring for the earth. And joining me today is Dr. Barbara Fields, the Executive Director of the Association for Global New Thought. Um, She's also co-founder and project director of the Gandhi King Seasons for Peace and Nonviolence, the program director from the Parliament of the World's Religions Centennial Celebration in Chicago, co-founder and project director director of the Synthesis Dialogues with His Holiness the Dalai Lama, coordinator of the U.S.-based Omnilocal Initiatives for Harvard-based Project on Negotiations, Abraham Walk Initiative in the Middle East, program director, International Buddhist Christian Theological Encounter, Purdue University, and the Lilly Foundation. Um, So many uh, life-affirming and enhancing projects that she has been a part of, and she has received several awards, the Honorary Doctorate of Humane Letters from the Holmes Institute, Religious Science First um, uh, Peace Award, and uh, and many others, and she also has contributed to many publications, the Community of Religions, 200 Visionaries, Women, Spirituality, and Transformative Leadership, Where Grace Meets Power, and numerous others. So welcome, uh, Dr. Fields. I am so delighted that you could join me today on the Yoga Hour. Thank you so much, Ellen. It's a pleasure to be here. And before we um, begin our conversation, let's take a moment just to uh, meditate and find that peace within us. Pausing in this moment... Let us remember one reality called by many names is the source, support, and substance. 
right now, right where we are, this divine reality is already present. Nothing separates us from that. So in this moment of meditation, simply let your breath be a path of recollection. As you breathe in, feel that you are diving into the ocean of divine consciousness, immersing your heart, your mind, your body, in remembrance of the one, one life, one power, one presence. As you breathe out, letting go of any restless thoughts or any ideas of conscious awareness of our essential nature, we can observe thoughts, feelings, observe the body, and from that perspective, peace begins to fill our minds and our bodies. This peace is inherent to our essential nature, so let's invite it now to fill our hearts, to fill our minds, to fill our bodies. Peace. 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 Let us remember to abide in this peace and consciously decide to let it overflow as blessing for all beings everywhere. This morning's um, program, we're continuing in a series of messages about spirituality and ecology. And our topic uh, in this segment of the program is about Deep Green, the spiritual foundation for environmental awareness and care. The uh, origins of the New Thought movement in America drew inspiration from the Transcendentalists, and particularly Emerson and some from Thoreau. And we're aware from reading their works that the Transcendentalists also studied and were inspired by the Eastern philosophy, the Vedic um, teachings that um, form the root of yoga. So both yoga and new thought emphasize the oneness of all creation. And this is the starting point. This is the viewpoint that brings a foundation for understanding and experiencing the sacred nature of all of life and um, helping us remember why it's so important to care for the environment. And this uh, so let's begin with this foundational um, teaching about oneness and uh, take a look at how it supports environmental awareness and care. Um, Barbara, how does the New Thought Movement see um, oneness? You know, what does it really mean um, when we talk about it? And how do we know this um, to be true about creation? Or how can we know it to be true? Well, in the New Thought movement, which, as you said a a moment ago, is intimately tied to the roots of transcendentalism in this country in the 19th century, um, there are some principles that that define the essential spirituality of New Thought, whether it expresses through religious science or unity um, or any of the other organizations that we have within our our movement. And, And... some of these principles um, are expressed such as that there is an inherent perfection and a sacred worth in the universe all of, of all creation, every individual, and that the community of all life is interconnected and interdependent. So I, I feel that this is the basis for how oneness is defined in the New Thought movement, um, that this very critical idea of interconnection and interdependence 
that really there there is no form of life, there is no operation in society, there is no religious tradition on the planet um, that somehow is not um, connected to and relevant to everything else that expresses itself in that way. And and I I think that 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 it's important to recognize that new thought. I believe does not see um, oneness as sort of a, a a blind homogeneity of the expression of all life, but more like a harmonious balance and interweaving of life where diversity is respected and valued because it actually is is the driver or the engine. Mm-hmm. So um, that's mm-hmm. basically where I think the oneness principle comes from in our tradition. Um, thank you, and that's beautiful to make that distinction between um, uh, oneness, thinking that it, you know it's all the same, versus a respect for the the diversity that that certainly is supportive of of all of life. And and I know that there's been an emphasis in the New Thought movement from the very beginning on healing, and um, and it. And it seems to me that as in yoga you know healing is is really defined you know as being restored to wholeness or or recognizing this essential um uh, oneness of our our being you know that there's one source that um that we all come from um there's one life that we all live and so we are um interconnected as you say and inter um dependent so there's the oneness of spirit of source and of course the oneness of mind you know there's the teaching that there is a universal mind you know there's individual mind and there's universal mind and so you know our our thoughts um contribute to um, the collective and uh, in yoga we we also talk about um, the the one body in the sense that um, you know there are various uh, coverings of the soul that make creation possible sort of like um, <laughs> I've talked about it like a you know that we are the light um, but the coverings um, that make our, our unique nature possible and creation possible are sort of like the lampshade you know on the light mm-hmm. um, and so we have the physical covering um, as individuals which is our physical body but we share that physical layer as well you know we, we share the spiritual connection we share the mind universal mind but we also share uh, one you know in yoga it's called the food the food sheath <laughs> because it's it's made of uh, food you know that which nurtures the physical body so the physical body you know is not really separate even though it appears um, to be um, what do you see, you know, beyond oneness, um, which I, I see as the foundation, as other spiritual principles that we can draw from to help us foster a conscious and caring relationship with the earth? Well, you know, I, I had been doing a little reading because our, our AGNT's program this year for season for the earth is called deep green back to our roots. And I was so pleased when you mentioned that you would like to do a a program having to do with deep green and and the relationship to the early transcendentalist movement. And I just wanted to add um, at this point that I had found this, a beautiful quote by uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson. And I, I thought it was, it was relevant, exactly relevant to what we're saying this morning you know, everyone pretty much knows who Emerson was as, as an essayist, lecturer, lecturer and poet. And he was kind of one, of one of the known leaders of the Transcendentalist movement. And he even, it was interesting because even though he was seen as a, as a real champion of, of individualism and kind of ahead of his time and in being a critic of the way that social institutions could sort of dampen the spirit and creativity of, of the individual mind and spirit. Um, he was a real, he was a real naturist and he, in his way, he tied together the beautifully, this idea of being a champion of individualism at the same time, um, understanding 
at a very deep level what oneness was at the ground of all that. And um, I was wondering if I could just uh, read a little part of this of this passage here because it exemplifies it so beautifully. Oh, yeah, please do. It, it's from his essay called Nature, which is a very famous essay. And, and it says, The river as it flows resembles the air that flows over it, and the air resembles the light which traverses it with more subtle currents. The light resembles the heat which rides with it through space. Each creature is only a modification of the other. The likeness in them is more than the difference, and their radical law is one and the same. A rule of one art or a law of one organization holds true throughout nature. So intimate is this unity that it is easily seen. It lies under the undermost garment of nature and betrays its source in universal spirit, for it pervades thought also. Every universal truth which we express in words implies or supposes every other truth. And he has a, this Latin phrase, omni verum vero consonant, which I was looking up the translation on Google is something like everything that is true shares universal truth with everything else that is true. Mm-hmm. So he ends up saying it is like a great circle on a sphere comprising all possible circles, which, however, may be drawn and comprise it in like manner. Every such truth is the absolute of being itself, seen from one side, but it has innumerable sides. So that, that to me, I mean, just any, any phrase in that passage, and that's just one of so many of his writings about the relationship between individualism and interdependence, any one of those phrases is just a cause for meditation. You know? Yeah, that's a beautiful passage. And, you know, it brings it to my mind in, in yoga what is called, you know, dharma, mm-hmm. um, you know, which is translated as the, you know, the way of truth or the way of righteousness. Um, but, it, you know, it also means that, that, that we are supported, you know, Dharma is support, that we're supported by this divine order that pervades um, the universe. And uh, so, you know, as we look at, you know, what deep green could mean, you know, certainly this concept of Dharma is relevant, Mm -hmm. that, you know, at the root, um, there is this divine order of which everything is a part. And and for us... um, you know, in our uh, spiritual practices, you know, I think that what is for us to do today is to discern more about Dharma and, you know, what is our role in it? You know, how do we consciously um, participate um, in the divine order of the universe? Uh, We're getting ready to um, take a little break. And when we get back, we'll take a look at sustainable uh, change, how we do that, how we participate in it. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien. You're listening to the Yoga Hour with our guest today, Dr. Barbara Fields, and we'll be right back with you. If you've been inspired by the programming on Unity Online Radio, we hope you'll give your support so others may be inspired too. This online radio network depends on the love offerings of listeners to continue operating and expand its outreach. Please visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you. When you pray, do you wonder if anyone is listening? What should and can you ask of God? Why aren't your prayers being answered? Prayer is a challenge for many of us. Now there's a new book that can help deepen your understanding. Based on his 35 years in ministry, author Jim Rose Murgy has developed a prayer and meditation practice called The Gathering. 
In just 40 days, the gathering will become your foundation for a genuine, ever-deepening experience of God's imminent presence and unlimited power. You'll understand that God can't fulfill your needs, but your needs can be met. You'll see that prayer isn't something you do. It's something you experience. Explore Jim Rosemurgy's new book, The Gathering, a 40-day guide to the power of group and personal prayer. Available now at www.unitybooks.org. Twelve Keys to Freedom, A Path to Metaphysical Recovery takes an expanded view of the concept of recovery, unifying universal spiritual teachings, and the 12-step process in a powerful hour of discussion, process, and transformation. In life, we have challenges that are beyond the realm of simple dependence, divorce, child abuse, unhealthy relationships, eating disorders, teenage bullying, the loss of a loved one, as well as addictions of all kinds. The 12 Keys to Freedom offers a path to wholeness by using a technology developed by Esther Nicholson, an agape spiritual practitioner, educator, world-renowned vocalist, and former addict. Her life story exemplifies the realization of wholeness from conditions of the most challenging kind. 12 Keys to Freedom takes us on a path from powerlessness to empowerment, moving to a realization of our inherent God-given wholeness, no matter who we are, what we have done, or how challenging our life experience has been. Join Esther Nicholson each Monday at 1 p.m. Central Time for 12 Keys to Freedom, a path to metaphysical recovery, right here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien, and I'm joined today by Dr. Barbara Fields, the Executive Director of the Association for Global New Thought. You can find out more about um, their work and also find some wonderful uh, resources for environmental environmental awareness during their season for the earth at agnt.org. In this uh, segment, we're going to take a look at sustainable change. Uh, Most of us understand through our life experiences that in order to be Uh, for change to be sustainable. Those changes we make must be based on a solid foundation of spiritual insight. You know, it must be a change that happens within us. And and then have understanding, commitment that comes out of that understanding, and then followed up with consistent action. Uh, In order to affect the changes needed to contribute to a healthier planet, you know, individuals must change. We must have this uh, quickening, this commitment, and this action. Um, You know, one of the interesting topics to look at, I think, with regard to um, our, our spiritual thinking is the idea of prosperity and sustainability. Um, So, you know, how does the belief in abundance and prosperity connect to global well-being? You know, certainly um, both uh, yoga and new thought teach that, you know, it's possible um, to live a prosperous life, um, to be successful in all ways, to have what you need. Um, And in Western culture, sometimes that's taken, of course, over the top (laughs) in Mm -hmm. terms of personal... um, Wealth or abundance at the at at a cost to the collective, and um, you know we're seeing today, at least you know I am some I have some uh, trepidation about the export of uh, lifestyles from the West um, to other parts of the world that are are certainly not sustainable. Um, so, Barbara, what do you see about um, 
abundance and prosperity um, as a as a core teaching. Um, how does that relate to uh, global well being? Well, you know, you pointed out that it it all has to do with um, interpretation and definition of what prosperity and abundance really does mean to any individual or any community. I think that that's the heart of the matter right there. I mentioned before the show started that I happened to tune in to a CNN interview last night um, with His Holiness the Dalai Lama, and one of the questions to him was having to do with what did he think about um, American tendency toward materialism and sort of a, a putting of the almighty dollar in front of all values. And His Holiness pointed out, of course, that um, it wasn't only the United States of America, that it was actually becoming a worldwide pandemic at this point, and that it, it basically it was due to the, to the misunderstanding of abundance and prosperity, which shows up so clearly in, in the inequity of resource management that, that we have perpetuated as cultures on the planet. Um, in the developing and in the developed world, that there there is such an inequity and irresponsible use of resources, so much waste on one hand, and unwillingness to to be um, to support a balance of resources, even to the point of taking resources from countries that have nothing in order to make that a commodity for the rest of the world. I mean, it's just an an example on a, on a macro level, what on an individual micro level is wrong and out of balance with people's notion of the value of prosperity when it's, when it's selfish and self-serving and exclusive rather than inclusive and balanced and compassionate, um, there can be no good that comes from that no matter how spiritual you, you claim you are. Exactly, and it really, you know, it really comes back to um, the foundation of oneness, um, you know, and of course non nonviolence. You know that that our our good, you know, can can never um, be at, at the cost um, for a, another person. Um, you know, based in the philosophy of oneness, the absolute good, of course, is is good. Um, Good for everyone, not just um, uh, one person or or a group of people. So um, it seems that you know some of the work that we have to do is really to explore you know what is um, true prosperity, um, because you know not only in the yoga tradition or New Thought you know have we have we seen you know some ideas of you know prospering being about individual prosperity, but um, you know, in some uh, religious traditions, the this idea of um, material wealth is seen as you know a sign of the grace of God, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like like you're favored. Um, you know, rather than um, you know looking at you know what does it mean in terms uh, of our oneness. Um, to prosper, and as you know, Gandhiji said, you know, there is enough, you know, for everyone's need, but not enough for everyone's greed, mm-hmm. and um, that is really a good credo um, for today. Um, and so, you know, I opened the the segment talking about how this, in order to have sustainable change, of course, it has to be on a spiritual foundation, you know, we need to be asking, I think, deep and hard questions like this one we're exploring about what does it mean to truly prosper? Um, What what do you see, Barbara, about this change in consciousness that is needed, you know, and how how do you see it coming about? Well, there's, in terms of there, I believe that practicing self-empowerment and supporting the empowerment of others is is sort of the root of the answer to that question. Um, but what I mean by that is um, a- abundance and prosperity can support empowerment in that it provides um, basically the the foundation on which someone can do truly good work. I mean, it provides time and resources and freedom so that if 
consciousness wants to drive in the direction of good, then there are not um, the obstacles to overcome day on a daily basis simply in order to be able to do your work. Mm-hmm. So in the best case scenario, we we have enough. We're, we're warm and healthy and fed and clothed and we have the equipment and the transportation. We have all the tools that we need, but it's only in service of the larger vision and the larger vision seems always to come back to it empowers me, but it's also good for the whole. And and what that translates into is that it, suppo- it supports the empowerment of others, not, not simply provision for others, but the empowerment of others to provide for themselves and basically share that abundance forward. Mm-hmm. So this, this way of, of looking at it as a whole system um, really begins with a change in consciousness about what our role here is to serve and what we're entitled to in order to be able to do our work, but what we're not entitled to in order to be corrupt or to basically cause suffering for others. Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful way of, of seeing it. And as I was listening to you, I was remembering um, Paramahansa Yogananda defined um, as prosperity as having what we need when we need it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and, you know, when we think about uh, being empowered um, to to do uh, what we are inspired, what we're divinely inspired to do in this world um, and to be able to um, offer uh, to others. I also was remembering a story about a a very wealthy man who who went to visit um, Mother Teresa and he was so moved, you know, by her her work that at the end of, you know, being with her, he said, you know, Mother, I, I don't know what to do. You know, I'm a very wealthy man. I have this big house and, you know, all of that. And he said, you know, should I, you know, sell my house and give you the money? And um, she said to him, no, you know, you should keep your house, um, but you should use it um, for good. You know, you should share it with others. And um, that was a, I've always remembered that story as, as so moving because it, it wasn't his, you know, dharma to do the work the way that she did it. But she made that very same point that, that you have, which is that, you know, whatever we are, are given um, is to be used um, for the well-being of, of all. But it doesn't really mean that, you know, it also get the equation becomes out of balance if, if we say that that means that, that we're, we somehow have to feel deprived or, or feel um, an undue sacrifice. I don't think that's what it's about either. And I think that new thought um, perhaps gets it better than some traditions in a way that um, adhere very strictly to renunciation. Um, but, of course, that's mostly in their monastic tradition, so it doesn't really apply to our everyday modern life. Mm. Yeah, you know, in in yoga we do have a strong teaching on renunciation, but it, I, I think it fits very well actually into um, the conversation here because the renunciation is not so much about leaving the world, but it's about um, leaving behind this this sense of ownership, you know, of I and me and mine, and being you know attached. Uh, to things and to particular outcomes. It's, it's more about being able to be in the world, being able to prosper. Um, there's no problem with prospering, but, you know, when you start clinging to things, you know, as your security and your happiness, then, you know, then the trouble um, begins. You know, what do you see, Barbara, as this uh, commitment to environmental well-being? You know, what do you see it, it, it looking like today? Well, you know, I've been doing a lot of thinking about this lately, not only because of season for the earth, but um, because of an upcoming event in Italy that we might talk about a little later in the show. But one of the streams of discussion has been the idea of um, what it means to really embrace the earth family and care for sacred earth and the planetary community. And and therefore, you know, the, the vision of that that would express this commitment to environmental well-being that you ask about 
um, to me, it, it comes down to that we envision a world in which human culture reclaims the deep human bond with the entire planetary community and that we trust that the ethic of loving stewardship of the Earth family and the gentle rhythms of sustainable living will come again and guide our course. So this is where we got the idea of going back to explore this idea of deep green, um, which of course is a, is is just a way of framing the deep ecology movement that has been with us for quite some time. But the, is if it, it's based on this idea of um, the deep bond that we share with all other beings, sentient beings, and that. Um, even the idea of stewardship come, has, has to come from a place of complete loving kindness and service and caring. And that in, in that realization of, of the depth of that um, bond that we share with the, with the planet, that we start to feel again within ourselves that there's a kind of a rhythm of life that guides our course, that, that we're that if we seek spiritual guidance in every aspect of our lives, which I think many of us listening to this program actually feel strongly about, that there's an actual, almost palpable source of guidance in getting in touch with the harmonies of the earth itself that, that points us in the right direction, that guides our instincts and helps us make the choices. Because there's a thousand million things that we could be doing on an on a action level and should be doing, and it's almost overwhelming to people. So mm-hmm. I truly believe that in making that commitment, um, you first have to come to it in a, in the sense of where your consciousness is rooted. And I and I um, I've been thinking a lot about how the the deep ecology movement has a lot to to offer to us in that way right now. Absolutely, and you know this this sense that. Um you know, we, we come back to that root, you know, again and again of the oneness of all life, the interconnection. I, I just was reading um, some words from an interview with Thich Nhat Hanh where, you know, he, he said this the shift in consciousness that is needed, of course, is this um, awareness of the, the living reality of nature and um, that we needed to heal the divide um, to where we understand that Mother Nature is not our environment, you know, um, but it is this living reality in which we are intricately connected. Um, it really is our our life, um, you know, not something separate that we care for um, as as other, um, but it is. It, it is life itself that that we share, and he, you know he he said it so beautifully. He said, you know, what would bring healing is for us to fall in love with the planet um, again, and I and I think that is uh, also what you're referring to. You know, in my own experience, um, beginning to awaken um, to the to the oneness of life, you know, led me, you know, many years ago to changes in my diet, you know, which are today, um, you know, on the list of things that we can do practically that will help um, uh, foster a healthier environment. So, you know, looking at how what we eat um, either supports or harms um, the environment. You know, looking at other other beings um, as um, you know part of the sacred net in which we are all connected. Um, so mm-hmm. once you see that, you know it, it you it really affects the choices um, that that you make every day, including you know what you eat and um, h- how you how you partake of the life uh, of the planet in order to sustain your own life. Right. Right. So there are many, there are many actions that we can take. And, and um, as you point out, I, I, I think, for example, that when we make choices about eating and we make choices about even the, the materials that we wear on our body or how much we drive or, if we carpool or what kind of lighting we use in our house, all of those things are 
they're not just options anymore. They should be second nature to most of us by now. We've had plenty of time to get used to this learning curve because it's true that in order to take action, um, we have to we have to make the caring for ourselves, our family, our community, our nation, the entire earth. We have to make that a, a core value in every time we make a decision. We have to refer to that value. Mm-hmm. And we have to understand that we can actually work to, to share what we call a kind of emerging global consensus with respect mm-hmm. to the challenges and strategies that define life in the 21st century with regard to the sustainability and equity of resources on the planet that we ha- you know it's the what they call i think the butterfly effect yeah. that we have to realize that um in a very real sense the individual choices that we make on a daily basis affect people that are far away from us in very different places and educate ourselves to learn why that's true Absolutely, and um, then think about yeah. think about the kind of world we want to live in, exactly, um, and the kind of world we want to contribute to. We're going to take a break now, and when we come back, we'll we'll look at this spiritually inspired activism, the season for the Earth. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien, and you're listening to the Yoga Hour with special guest Dr. Barbara Fields. Find out more about Association for Global New Thought at AGNT. We'll be right back with you. Hello, listeners. Did you know we've gone mobile? That's right. Your favorite Unity online radio programs are available on your mobile device. Now you can take us with you wherever you go. Using apps from Live 365 or Stitcher, you can listen to Unity Online Radio live or on demand. To learn more, visit www.unity.fm and click on Mobile Listening. You've seen reality TV. Well, now get ready for reality radio. It's raw, unpredictable, and completely unscripted. You Can Heal Your Life follows the lives of four people each season as they face their fears and overcome their challenges. Tune in weekly and follow along as they take each faithful step on their journey. Learn what it takes to really heal your life. Dr. Chris Michaels shows you how to expect specific and measurable results from prayer. He says, We must place a demand upon consciousness. We don't hope to get what we pray for. We expect it. As a 25-year veteran in the New Thought Movement, Dr. Chris has helped thousands of people find their way to success and healing. His faith is unshakable, and his commitment to helping others heal through the power of prayer is extraordinary. Don't miss Reality Radio, You Can Heal Your Life, with Dr. Chris Michaels. Live, Mondays at 11 a.m. Central Time on Unity Online Radio. Listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. If you have a question, please submit it via email at yogahour at unity.fm and we will respond. Now, back to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien and my guest today is Dr. Barbara Fields and we've been talking about deep green, um, spiritually inspired activism and caring for the earth. I, I want to begin this segment with reading um, just a little bit from the Association for Global New Thought website, that's agnt.org, uh, where you'll find um, a plethora, <laughs> a really fine assortment of resources um, to support your personal participation in caring for the earth, but also if you're part of a um, a spiritual community or a meditation group, uh, you might want to take a look at some of the resources they have for groups as well. 
So um, from the website, A Season for Nonviolence, um, which was their first uh, project like this, a, for, a Season for Nonviolence was co-founded by Arun and Sunanda Gandhi of the M.K. Gandhi Institute for Nonviolence and a group of 10 ministers forming the Leadership Council of the Association for Global New Thought, the organization that convenes A Season for Nonviolence on an annual basis. Its purpose is to focus educational and media attention on the philosophy of attaining peace through nonviolent action, as demonstrated by Gandhi and Martin Luther King Jr., and also, of course, Cesar Chavez. Uh, 2012 marks the 15th anniversary of this revolutionary initiative. The season for nonviolence represents a successful new model called Omni-Local Conscious Action. And a little more from the website. Engaging large numbers of self-empowered leaders and groups in a collective intention, supplied with strategic shareable tools, adding their own local resources to work globally with a singular purpose. The Season for Nonviolence project has now evolved through our collective exemplary leadership in more than 900 cities in all U.S. states and 67 countries during the past um, 15 years. So this model that the Association for Global New Thought um, developed uh, with your uh, leadership, Barbara, to support and inspire omni-local conscious action now includes um, four seasons during the year. And currently, um, we're in the season for the earth, which focuses on resources for spiritually-based environmental action. Um, Tell us about your experience um, with uh, launching this um, this really beautiful model that you're calling omni-local conscious action. You know, what have you learned through the years of, of developing this model? Well the, well, the thing that I've learned most strongly is that we are the ones we have been waiting for. <laughs> and I know that that's a very popular quotation these days, and boy, we've been using it since you know, the, the mid-90s when we first started AGNT. But none of this is possible with a top-down leadership model. Um, the omni-local model depends on the fact that I have gained such tremendous admiration and respect for the many, many um, ministers and congregations in the New Thought community who have made the commitment to undertake Seasons for Peace and Nonviolence programs on a local basis. And what AGNT has done is not is not been, quote-unquote, the figurehead or the leadership, but it has been a very conscientious communications hub in terms of being able to supply resources from the website that everyone has free access to, um, a great sort of, um, as you say, plethora um, a wide menu of programming because we know that every individual and, you, and community that's practicing the, the program is coming from their own perspective and they know better than we do what's important for the unique profile of their own community. So we offer a wide range of programs and then we leave it to the people themselves and their own co-creativity to really develop what's meaningful for their own community and in, in, and we've had I think we've had about um, 2,052 trained task force leaders in the program that have trained other people in the community and the quality and quantity of programs that they're creating each year after 15 years of practice is so all I can feel is a sense of awe and honoring for the people who have made this possible because I believe that new governance in our communities is based on this idea of omni-local engagement and participation. So that's what I've learned the most is that the people are mean everything to change in our society. And we certainly found, you know, um, at the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, you know, we um, participated, you know, initially in this work of Season for Nonviolence, um, and we found that, the, you know, what you had made possible um, was there was a galvanizing principle for us locally to be able to convene um, people across um, religious um, 
uh, differences and um, to bring in people from guiding institutions in the community, from government and education, convening around this topic that, you know, everybody has a stake in, which is, you know, um, l- learning about the power of nonviolence to, to overcome uh, this tide of violence in our communities and in our world. And what you provided was this um, avenue that what you know we could do something locally in our community, but we would be working with, connected with you know people all across the U.S. and uh, really globally. And so um, it's been a beautiful model. And um, now it seems to me that the season for the Earth may take on you know even more significance um, due to the environmental concerns that are continuing to escalate. So um, tell us a little bit about how that has been um, taking form and what people are engaging in. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, When we had the Gandhi King Peace Train celebrating the 10th anniversary of the Season for Nonviolence 2007, and then we took on these new seasons, the Season for the Earth, the Season for Humane Service, and the Season for Interfaith and Intercultural Celebration in the fall. And the Season for the Earth has been growing these past five years. Um, And I... It's easily found. We have a huge amount of free resources on the agnt.org website under Season for the Earth. Um, we what we're very proud of is that in in a general way, um, you can go to you can press a button that says resources, and it will take you to um, a compendium of websites, films, and books that have not only direct web, web links to, to the best resources we've been able to find and study and vet in this area, but even little descriptions of what you'll find there. So it's actually a kind of a one-stop shopping for anyone who does want an education in general. We also have um, Green Mandala for churches and communities. Um, how can you actually... Um, systematically undertake an, um, an environmental program um, for a building or for a community. It gives you all the how-tos. It gives you tips for individuals. It gives you artworks, artwork and media and graphics so that you don't have to start your project from, from scratch. And our featured program this year has to do with the Green Back to Our Roots. And this really centers on nature walking and um, there are excerpts and readings and quotations from um, many of our um, forebearers in the Transcendentalist movement. Uh, talks about deep ecology. Um, there, there are just so many resources here for people that it, it almost, we almost want to say, if you're serious about your commitment to the earth, if you go to this website, you have no excuse for doing nothing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. It is It is a very rich resource and um, we're getting uh, near to the uh, conclusion of our program this morning and I want to take just a moment, Barbara, for you to share with our listeners the vision that, that you um, personally and your uh, group at AG&T hold for a spiritually awakened world. Let's, let's conclude with that. Mm, yeah, thank you for that question. What what we've been referring to as as spiritually guided or spiritually motivated social activism, um, I, it, that too has become a bit of a catchword on the internet. But when we first adopted that language in 1997, we wanted people to be deeply contemplative and, and make no mistake that where political cosmetic social activism is not very sustainable because it comes from the outside in. And then people with families and jobs and everyday lives also volunteering for their churches, etc. Um, they couldn't, it wasn't a sustainable motivation. But when you get your motivation for acting and the betterment of the world from within your own spiritual practice, it's not only sustainable, it's so empowering that people have become leaders in ways that they never believed possible because they're driven by this inner guidance that knows truths that we don't always understand yet. And I believe that that is the vision that will, I have tremendous optimism for the future of our planet. And I think it comes from this idea of spiritually motivated um, engagement on the part of everyday people. 
Thank you, Barbara, and, and thank you for all the work that you do uh, with AGNT. It's really been my joy to um, associate with you over the years and to participate in the work that you you do. And I, of course, share with you this vision of um, divine inspiration and grace uh, coming through uh, individuals in this time um, that we are living in of an awakening world. You know, we do live in a world that is awakening, and we each have the opportunity to participate in that awakening. It's been a joy to share this yoga hour with you, and um, Barbara, I thank you for being my guest today. Thank Um, you. And for more information about AG&T and also their upcoming conference, they are having uh, Awakened World 2012, Engaged Spirituality for the 21st Century. It's coming up October uh, 13 to 21 and will be held in Rome and Florence. And you are all invited. You can visit their website, agnt.com. And the purpose of this Awakened World uh, conference is to call attention to shifting the shifting paradigms in our world today. Uh, including the concern for human rights and the environment and to help facilitate the religious and spiritual healing um, for the world. So visit their website and find out more about that. And join me next week as I meet with special guest Dr. Laura Cornell, the founder of Green Yoga Association. And we'll be having a conversation about green yoga, ancient practices, and contemporary activism coming together. For more information about Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, remember to visit our website, csecenter.org. We have a meditation retreat coming up you might be interested in. Um, I look forward to being with you next week. Remember to let your inner light shine into the world and share your peace and your joy with everyone that you meet. Thanks again, Barbara. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California, a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization, www.csecenter.org. Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org. Is there a difference between the spiritual teachings you know and how you live your life? Does your day-to-day experience reflect what you truly value? Are you ready to receive your life and live the gift that you are? Join Janice Campbell, licensed Unity teacher, author, and coach each week as she shares inspiration and tools to help you identify and dissolve the limiting beliefs that prevent you from living the fullest expression of what you are. Talk with Janice live every Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Central on Receive Your Life, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. We invite you to consider these words from Unity author Charles Roth. Live deeply in the present moment. If you are going to work on the premise that real energy, real excitement, that feeling of being fully and enthusiastically alive comes from a source within you, then it follows that you have to spend some time getting acquainted, being at home in those far reaches of inner space. Peace is power, for out of stillness, strength is born, and out of inner harmony, productivity flourishes. Rest in that inner peace. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Just what does that dream mean? Ever wake up from a crazy dream and wonder what it meant? 
Have you had a recurring dream all your life and you just can't get it to stop? Get all your questions about dreams and dream interpretation answered by the leading expert in the field. Unity Online Radio is home to America's leading dream expert, Dr. Michael Lennox. And on Mondays at 2 p.m. Central, the Dream Doctor is definitely in. Tune in to Dream Interpretation with Dr. Michael Lennox, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash IMDivine2022. 